Welcome to CME on ReachMD. This episode is part of our Minute CME curriculum. Prior to beginning the activity, please be sure to review the faculty and commercial support disclosure statements, as well as the learning objectives. Dr. Abelhausen, you may call your first witness. Thank you, Your Honor. The prosecution calls Dr. Sasha Opatowski to the stand. Dr. Opatowski, in an average year when you're not in prison, how many adult patients with single ventricle physiology do you see? Our program follows over 250 adults living with a single ventricle circulation. Would you say most of these patients have a Fontan? Yes. And what is the major issue that you see with adult Fontan patients with respect to the pulmonary circulation, sir? As it pertains to the question of vasodilators, the major issue is that with aging, there's an increase in pulmonary vascular resistance, PVR. PVR is one of the main determinants of cardiac output in the Fontan circulation. Based on fundamental physiological considerations, there's a direct relationship between central venous pressure and pulmonary resistance and flow. Central venous pressure is invariably elevated, even in asymptomatic individuals functioning well with the Fontan circulation. This high venous pressure presumably causes ongoing injury and carries an inherent risk of complications related to chronic venous hypertension and circulatory failure. The inability to increase pulmonary blood flow with exertion when the tissues require more oxygen, that is to increase pulmonary blood flow and therefore be able to deliver oxygen to the tissues, is limited. There's no single accepted hemodynamic definition of pulmonary vascular disease or elevated pulmonary resistance in patients with univentricular hearts and the Fontan circulation. However, in this context, we still tend to measure transpulmonary gradient, defined as the difference between pulmonary artery pressure and left atrial pressure, uh, and cardiac output as would be done in the biventricular circulation. While there's no specific number for any of these variables that defines elevated versus normal, it goes without any question or controversy that lower pulmonary vascular resistance is better. That said, there is no clear cutoff um, in the circulation. I will say that there are some numbers that have been put forth in the literature, such as a transpulmonary gradient of less than or equal to six millimeters mercury, or a pulmonary vascular res- resistance less than three wood units uh, times meters squared. Uh, but I think it's more important to think about the principle that lower is better because it allows the little pressure to, to overcome the resistance of the pulmonary circulation to allow the circulation to supply the tissues with oxygen. Well, thank you for that. And why is the cutoff for pulmonary vascular resistance so different for Fontan patients when compared to other PAH patients who have a biventricular circulation? Well, the single ventricle system requires that low pulmonary vascular resistance to maintain the preload of the single ventricle. That is, the blood coming back from the body, augmenting the filling of the systemic ventricle. Uh, and with that, uh, with, with high resistance to the pulmonary circulation, you really wouldn't be able to get blood back to the ventricle and therefore it wouldn't be able to be pumped to the body to supply the tissues. Would you start all failing Fontan patients on PAH therapy to lower this dangerous pulmonary vascular resistance that can cause such problems in the Fontan circuit? And if so, can you explain why? For legal reasons, I'm going to answer your question with a question, and that is, why would you deprive these patients of lower pulmonary vascular resistance? With that said, there are several lines of evidence suggesting that vasodilator therapy may benefit the failing Fontan circulation. 
Let's look at the overall picture first, though. As I stated a, minute, a moment ago, uh, systemic uh, uh, venous hypertension is necessary to drive blood flow through the pulmonary vasculature with the systemic venous pressure typically five millimeters of mercury or so higher than the pulmonary venous atrial pressure. Pressures in the hepatic veins are therefore higher than normal, the same as central venous pressure. That's also true about uh, the lung, uh, the, um, excuse me, the kidneys and the systemic veins, such that there's ongoing damage to those tissues. With that uh, abnormal uh, uh, hemodynamics, such as in the liver, this predisposes to late complications such as liver fibrosis and cirrhosis. As you can see in this somewhat complicated slide, um, the pulmonary vascular resistance right at the top in the center is a key part of the cycle, but is only one part of it. So we can't expect when somebody argues that these medications don't cure the circulation, don't provide an enormous benefit, we can't expect with these multiple uh, parts that could be dysfunctional, that addressing one of them will necessarily uh, solve the problem. But what you can see here is that without low enough pulmonary vascular resistance, which can be assisted by pulmonary vascular therapy, blood can't return from the Fontan pathway through these smaller pulmonary arteries around to the systemic atrium to provide preload to the ventricle and therefore can't be ejected to provide blood to the body. Phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitors are one type of medication that have been studied both acutely and in case series with promising preliminary results. In the acute setting, sildenafil, for example, has been shown to improve peak oxygen uptake in adult individuals with a Fontan circulation, as you can see in this example shown on this slide. In unselected cohorts of individuals with a Fontan circulation, sildenafil has been shown to improve some exercise parameters, but in selected failing Fontan circulation, uh, sildenafil truly appears to improve symptoms and sometimes seems to reverse, to some degree, Fontan circulatory failure. This effect does appear to be related and dependent on reducing the pulmonary vascular resistance rather than on direct effects of ventricular function or other off-target effects. It would appear that targeted pulmonary phosphodiesterase 5 inhibition may be a benefit to the Fontan circulation, although admittedly adequately powered clinical trials are still lacking in this regard. In the stable Fontan circulation, there is some evidence uh, for efficacy of uh, pulmonary vasodilators. A recent study, the FUEL trial, demonstrated that treatment with eudenophil was not associated with an improvement in oxygen consumption at peak exercise, which I will admit was the primary outcome selected, uh, but it was associated with improvements in multiple measures of exercise performance at the ventilatory anaerobic threshold and also physiologic parameters suggestive of improved uh, vascular function, et cetera. And let me ask you this. Do we see similar effects from other classes of group 1 PAH medications, not just PDA5 inhibitors? How about other medications? Yes, we do. Um, the effect seems to be uh, consistent. Both endothelin receptor antagonists and prostanoids uh, that have been evaluated for efficacy and safety in the Fontan um, have shown similar uh, effects, although there have been uh, subtle differences um, in the patterns. The use of endothelin receptor antagonists in the Fontan circulation appears to have an acceptable safety profile and may be effective. For example, the TEMPO trial uh, looked at 75 adolescents and adults randomized one-to-one -to, -one to 14 weeks of treatment with both Centen, an endothelin receptor antagonist, versus placebo. As you can see in this figure, peak oxygen consumption increased significantly by 2 milliliters per kilogram per minute from 28.7 to 30.7 in the Bocentan group, compared to an increase of 0.6 milliliters per kilogram per minute from 28.4 to 29.0 milliliters per kilogram per minute in the placebo group. This was statistically significant with a p-value of 0.02.
Two studies have also evaluated the use of inhaled aloprost, prostanoid in the management of uh, the Fontan circulation. Inhaled aloprost was well tolerated and led to symptomatic improvement and improve, improvement of peak uh, VO2, although one of these studies admittedly was a short-term uh, uh, study. The use of these medications, however, is not uh, widespread uh, given the challenges in administering them uh, and requires further clinical trial data and efficacy to recommend uh, their uh, routine use in particular. Thank you, Dr. Aptowski. Now, do you consider all lines of agents that we just discussed to be safe in adult Fontan patients? There is very little suggestion of substantive harm from these medications. Of course, the studies had uh, stringent uh, exclusion criteria, and one would have to use one's clinical judgment in a patient who has very low blood pressure at rest and is already lightheaded, um, one wouldn't start any medication that could decrease blood pressure. But in general, these medications are not only safe, but they're very well tolerated. Yes, there are some adverse effects, and some individuals may not tolerate it or have an allergy like any medication, including a placebo. Um, but in general, they're very well tolerated and safe. Well, I think that makes our case. Thank you so much, Dr. Apatowski. No further questions from the prosecution, Your Honor. Dr. Kay, you may cross-examine the witness. Thank you, Your Honor. Dr. Apatowski, how many group 1 PAH medications are known to reduce pulmonary vascular resistance, and which one of them appears to be most potent? All of the medications for group 1 PAH that are pulmonary vasodilators uh, reduce pulmonary vascular resistance. Um, in general, uh, prostanoids, uh, inhaled or intravenous, uh, have had the most potent effect uh, clinically and on pulmonary vascular resistance. And you just stated that the prostanoids are seldom used in the Fontan patients, and there's a lack of clinical data supporting their use in this patient group. If that is the case, then why are the PDE5 inhibitors and the endothelial receptor antagonists the medication you speak of is having so much benefit in the Fontan patients. Objection, Your Honor. The defense is asking the witness to conjecture here. Come on. Objection sustained, Dr. K. Please stick to questions that the witness is able to factually answer. I will rephrase, Your Honor. Dr. Apatowski, do you personally use the medications you referred to in your Fontan patients, failing or otherwise? And do you see any changes? in PVR that would suggest they can reduce the pressure gradient across the lungs and better facilitate venous-powered pulmonary flow. Have you seen patient improvement or improvement in the transpulmonary gradient or pulmonary vascular resistance? And if so, is it uniform across all patients? Thank you. Uh, you asked if I personally use the medications, and no, I do not, but I do use them in my patients. And I have seen improvements in exercise performance and patient quality of life in a good number of those individuals. I see. And in your experience, are there any circumstances where application of group one vasodilators has produced a negative result? Yes. Uh, there have been some studies uh, that have failed to uh, demonstrate uh, any improvement in, uh, in uh, primary outcome. Uh, when these medications have been studied, such as a phosphodiesterase 5 inhibitor or an endothelin receptor antagonist. Uh, I can think of the 2013 study of uh, Bocentan, uh, where there was no significant improvement in primary endpoint exercise capacity or the secondary endpoints of peak oxygen consumption or the ratio of minute ventilation 
to carbon dioxide, the VEVCO2 ratio, as shown here. So, Dr. Apatowski, have there been any studies showing that this extends the life of our Fontan patients? No. So, Dr. Apatowski, even from the testimony you have provided, can you say that group one medications are effective in all Fontan patients? No, I cannot. Thank you, Dr. Apatowski. No further questions, Your Honor. Thank you, Dr. K. You've been listening to CME on ReachMD. This activity is jointly provided by Global Learning Collaborative, GLC, and Total CME Incorporated, and is part of our Minute CME curriculum. To receive your free CME credit or to download this activity, go to reachmd.com slash CME. Thank you for listening.